Hi, I'm Ron Coleman, a partner in the Dillon Law Group, social media legend and free speech enthusiast. When I started the Coleman Nation podcast in the spring of 2021, its focus was on free expression and censorship on the internet. But as important as that subject is to me, which is very important, I felt hemmed in in the podcast. I wanted to spend more time talking to the interesting people I've met in my legal and free speech work without feeling a need to have them all make the same point. So I culminated the first series of the podcast and have started the second series. I hope you'll enjoy these conversations as much as I have recording them. Hey, culminators. Thanks for joining us today. Today, uh, I'm constantly pushing the limits of how long I've known somebody on these interviews. Yaakov Menken could very well be as far as it goes. Uh, we were in college together. Uh, in somewhat different form than we both exist now. But today, Yaakov Menken, uh, who I have worked with as a... Uh, Yaakov is the founder of Torah.org, which is a comprehensive website of Jewish information and learning. Uh, he's the founder of Cross Currents, which for many years, back in the days of blogging, was the definitive place for people to get in trouble for saying something uh, about, uh, you know, a traditional or, or Orthodox Jewish life. Um, and what's keeping him busy these days is what's the, what, Yaakov, I'm real, I'm bad with these names of these organizations. Is it Congress or committee? Coalition. <laughs> a little inside Jewish humor there. Coali the coalition for Jewish values. Jewish values. There have been enough committees and enough Congresses. Exactly. Yaakov, welcome. Congress for Jewish Values. I kind of like that. <laughs> Too late, right, though. Let's vote on the Jewish Values. What could go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> that's, okay, that's the problem with calling it a Congress, isn't it? I, yeah, but I mean, that's, I think, would be a, a, a very fitting a very fitting way to describe what, what I believe you guys are actually trying to push back against. Yes, this Yaakov, idea the that story. the Jewish Values can be voted upon. And they, the, and they, well, these days, I don't even know if they're voted on. I think basically the vote is based on um, political involvement and what kind of last name you have. Uh, it's anybody of Jewish genetics claiming authenticity and claiming knowledge to speak about anti-Semitism and the Jewish people and what's good or bad for the Jews, uh, which is a, uh, shall we say, racialist approach to oh, membership in the Jewish peoplehood. It doesn't turn you into an expert. Uh, I don't claim, of course, to be an expert either, but go look, you know, oh, well, now now, now you take the screen away from me, but my, that backdrop, I, 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 I like to say that I spent thousands of dollars on my Zoom backdrop because- <laughs> well, well, we'll get that. You mean that's not the, just, the, those are not the Jewish holy books that you like to keep at hand all the time? I, I that's why I like to joke that it is that, that you know it's it's just the zoom backdrop. Well, but I know it's not a I, I know it's not a shower curtain. Yeah, but that uh, look that's the point. You've got you you have to be getting your thinking out of the books if you want to speak on behalf of how Judaism actually thinks about a matter. You have to look at it as what would Maimonides have said. What would Abai and Rava have said? Rabbi Akiva, Hillel, uh, Shlomo Amelech, David Amelech, Moshe Rabbeinu. Okay, you're, you're using some terminology that not all of our Maimonides people know. That's you see, you mixed the match a little bit. That's what you would have called the Rambam by the time right. you got going on your list. Right. Who are Abaya and Rava? The, That's a, a law firm downtown, right? You're yeah, criminal? two two of the most well known authorities of the Talmudic era. Okay, and Let's I think that after way. that, you mentioned Rabbi Akiva. I went to that. Rabbi Akiva, who people probably know of, uh, the great teacher of the Mishnah. And, and Rabbi Akiva, he came from a traditional, strong traditional background like you and me, right? And then he, he built on on that in order to become an outstanding scholar, or, or is there something more to his story? Oh, that's, that, you know, that's an interesting one, because uh, Rabbi Akiva is the one who said about himself that if, if there's a, a, a statement in the Talmud, that a Jew who is ignorant of Judaism 
can have a hatred for the scholars of Judaism that is even more intense than the hatred of which the non-Jewish world is capable of for Jews. Imagine the idea, just the very notion that there's a possibility that Jews could hate other Jews more intensely than the Nazis hate Jews. But that's that's what the Talmud said a thousand years ago. And so that's and, where it was. And Rebbe Akiva said that if in, in his ignorant days, before he his wife convinced him to go study. So did he, Rebbe Akiva know about the New York Times is what I'm wondering. I mean, that, that, that's, that's, is that what he was yeah, referring to? That's <laughs> There you go. Getting right into it. If. Rebbe Kiva said that if he would have had the opportunity, he would have bitten a sage like a donkey. And his students said to him, what do you mean, Rabbi? Say like a dog. Like He says, no, 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 no. A dog doesn't break the bones. Oh, a man. donkey breaks the bones. Hardcore. So, exactly. He, his said is, is, is hatred towards this. And then all of a sudden, his wife convinces him, you got to go learn this stuff yourself. Eventually, it comes to him. He saw where the water had engraved into a stone, drop by drop, until there was a channel right through the stone. And he said, if if the water can penetrate the stone, I can get the Torah to penetrate my brain. And that's how he became the greatest sage of the people in his day, with 24,000 students. So he started studying traditional Jewish learning as an adult. As it, Yes, age 40. Age 40. So, and he lived to 120, so he had a lot of time to work with. Okay, fair enough. I mean, now you started studying traditional Jewish learning uh, at a little bit younger age. So, you, I hope you'll have 80 years starting from then. I was, I, I was 18. So, uh, you're 18. You know. Okay, that puts you ahead of me. Well, was... maybe, you know, if you want to count when I started getting into becoming observant or when I actually started to really learn. You know, because I had to graduate college first. You know that part. Yeah, well, but we didn't go to a college that was all that hard to graduate once you got in. That, that That's actually true, you know. Yes, I I do. know the guys who are on the seven-year plan, and it was all, <laughs> like, it was half intentional, you know? Like, they just didn't go to class. They didn't do their work, you know? All right, let's let's take a step back. Okay. How do you get to... How do you get to the Coalition for Jewish Values? What, tell, tell, tell us a little bit about your value. We've been joking a little bit about how we went to college together. Uh, Yaakov and I were both uh, late comers, relatively speaking, to Jewish uh, learning and observance. Uh, Yaakov kept learning and kept observing, and I focused a little bit less on the learning. Uh, didn't become a rabbi as he did, but you and I... You started. You you got involved in technology. We do you do you have a, a, a technical background? I I went in. I was in the computer science department. You were. And I, I you, was. I was Jeff Bezos' classmate, Mister Amazon. Okay, so so he went out and went into business, and I did something more important. Yes, well, he would couldn't have done <laughs> what you did anyway. That's so. Okay, so. You went to you 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 went into business. What what business did you go into? No, I when I when I came out of yeshiva, I first started Torah.org. Torah.org, which is in in Project Genesis, uh, Judaism on the internet. There you go. And um, we were so early adopters that when an an intern of mine actually. Went came for a summer internship before she went into computer program, came back knowing all kinds of things about databases and programming and everything else. And this was the beginning of when every business wanted to be in the internet. So only the IRS can do this. It forced me to go into a for-profit business in order to donate the proceeds. Because if a nonprofit does any type of business activity, that's taxable. But a for-profit business that donates its proceeds is tax-free because it's all tax-deductible. So, like I said, only the IRS could force it this way. So I end no up no tax running... advice will be given during this program. <laughs> exactly. I don't. I don't recommend this. But uh, um, so I was for a long time. I was in web design for other companies, and that turned into voice over IP. And again, that, host, that was did you that's... host my first website. Yeah, sure. Likelihood of confusion. No, no, like, uh, you know, you did host Likelihood oh. of Confusion, uh, uh, 
and, and that Colemanlaw.com was or whatever. Yes, the Coleman the Coleman Law Firm. I think you did. I, I think you are correct. That is wild. Okay, I'm not, and, I'm, I'm, yeah, and there that's we not go. findable. And so, and and you know, every step of the way, it was this is technology we need anyway, so we might as well do it for other people. Like with when people moved out of my office and still wanted to remain part of the office, that voice over IP became our mode of operation. Um, anyway, so I sold all that in 2016. I like to say I got my shirt back. Um, <laughs> and um, in 2017, I, I take no real credit for this because it was a bunch of other rabbis who were involved with other organizations serving the Jewish community, uh, including other networks for rabbis, saying, we can't get them to say anything about anything. They won't speak up for our values. Meanwhile, the left is claiming the Jewish values are everything opposite to the Torah. So it's emboldening our enemies. It's turning off our friends. We need to get more voices in conservative media, et cetera, et cetera. So when you say we, we mean, in other words, the Orthodox world. The Orthodox world, specifically the Orthodox rabbis. But yeah, I mean, obviously the Orthodox so, rabbis, so the rabbis lead the Orthodox world. And I don't mean guys like me. I mean the people who are the real leaders of the community. And so, that, so, so, uh, so I mean, so that's really a, a concept that I think a lot of people are unfamiliar with. Uh, you know, and I refer back to uh, Agudath Israel of America, which I have a lot of involvement in, which is where policy is set by leading yeshiva deans, Roshe HaYeshiva, uh, who are not considered, you know, they're not people with MBAs or masters of uh, you know, or um, uh, law degrees, uh, but they spent their entire lives in Talmudic study. Why should rabbis who typically don't have a background in policy, they don't, they didn't go to the, what they used to call the Wilson School for International Affairs uh, at Princeton. Uh, they don't, they don't have these public policy degrees. They didn't go to Yale Law School uh, why should they be setting policy or even advising on policy regarding public matters? Isn't that better? Isn't that something that lawyers and, and just very wealthy wealthy people uh, should be in charge of deciding? Well, that was a softball, wasn't it? <laughs> you know, yeah, it's you know, obviously, look, look at what's going on outside, where every entertainer considers themselves a policy wonk. And as if they have the ability to articulate policy. Uh, the truth of the matter is that since all wisdom is eventually, you know, it's contained in Torah, but we human beings cannot encompass in our minds everything. Uh, so therefore, you need a sagacious rabbi who is taking consultation from the lawyers and the doctors and saying, here is the route that is probably the better one to take. And obviously there's a lot of consultation that goes into that. Um, now, if you but look at- is this at something new in Jewish life? I, I read somewhere that this idea of, there's a concept called Das Torah, right? right? Which means what you're describing now, which is that by virtue of a lifetime of immersion in studying Torah, which again, really basically means the Talmud, Talmud and the related oral law literature, um, that that is how a person of, of stature and, and high achievement achieves the level of understanding to be able to weigh in and advise uh, and guide on such issues. I read somewhere that that's a relatively modern um, conception of, uh, of rabbinical leadership and, and Jewish communal leadership. Is that right? Yeah, I just, you know, to put it in in, in brief, um, now there's a Pirish, oh, Shari Aaron, Ravaran Ruta. He wrote a, a special volume on uh, the problems of our day because it was from essays that he had written over time and he collected the essays. Now, when you say our day, when did he live? Um, the last, certainly the last 50 years he was still writing in my lifetime. I don't remember when he, you know, okay. if, if and when he passed away or stopped writing or what have you. Um, but uh, the reason why I looked up on the shelves is because he has a whole series going through the five books of Moses and detailed commentary, not only commentary on uh, on on the Torah itself, but commentary on the commentaries. He and anyway, so this is a tremendously scholarly individual. And he writes one of the problems of our day. 
And he says, such a person who claims that, that this idea, you follow Torah guidance is a on all matters, is a new idea, has not learned Torah, has not learned Mishnah, has not learned the commentaries on the Mishnah, which is a common language for a person who's ignorant of how uh, Judaism has, has always worked. Uh, and and indeed, if you look in Maimonides, you look in the Code of Jewish Law, they're advising on all sorts of of, of matters. In fact, Maimonides gave dietary advice. Well, I mean, and, and, and what a lot of people don't appreciate is that a lot of a, a lot of that sort of a lot of that advice, a lot of that guidance, is found in in the responsa literature of the great leaders. So someone like like Maimonides, who's who who has this vast corpus of published works. Um, you, you wouldn't look in Mishnah Torah in, in his compilation of his code of the entire Jewish uh, halachic literature, um, you know, le legal and, and how do you, there's no word for halachic really. I mean, right. the, his, his mass, mass code of Jewish law, he's not, you're not going to find that there. You're going to find it in the responsa, his, the letters that he writes to people who sought his advice from all over the world in order to get an, a sense of the extent of his involvement in social, civic, legal, political, everything, life. Shmuel Hanagid became the advisor to the Vizier of Spain. So what is a Nagid? Uh, the, the, um, I don't actually know how to translate it. It's basically, it's like, well, speaker, it, it's almost- Speaker, but not just speaker, go on. No, I mean, I mean, why, it's not the same word as Magid, it's related, but it's, it's almost like the, the the king whisperer, right? Perhaps. Perhaps. It's as close as we're going to get. So here really, we are Basically, now. he was second in command. He, and and it was yes. all from his Torah learning. I did want to get into something that was related. A good at Israel um, has a council of Torah sages. It also fights for the needs of our community. That's their job. Their job is not to wade into the hot, debated political issues of the day, except in as much as they directly impact upon our our community. So, in other words, if people want to redefine what marriage is, but still allow our types of marriages, they don't get involved. When they get involved is when they say, you have to celebrate all types of marriages, regardless of whether or not you believe in them or they violate your religion. So, you know, to us, that's a little bit late to the party. Somebody needs to actually articulate what the real Torah opinion is, because actually the Jewish left, which gets its authenticity from Jewish leftist rabbis who don't actually have the traditional learning background to be rabbis. These are the people who are claiming that there is biblical validation for progressive positions. Whereas progressive positions are basically anti-biblical in nature and actually don't take us towards progress, but towards regression. They take us back to a more primitive era. And in other words, in other words, their their vision of social and ethical and moral life is more like that of the pagans than that of Abraham the monotheist. Absolutely. The Talmud talks all about how much homosexuality there was in the Roman world. And actually praises the Romans that at least they don't write marriage documents between them. It's in the Talmud. That's what it says. You know, uh, meanwhile, here, but here's the interesting thing. That's why they're in constant consultation with a board of Torah sages who run the show. The interesting thing is, Ron, in your line of work, how often do you go to your rabbi and ask him for guidance on a legal case that you're doing? In my line of work, virtually never. See, it's, but that doesn't mean you're not functioning as a Torah Jew. It means you know you've been told what direction to go in. You recognize when you enter questionable territory. Well, and if you're I mean, not so in questionable, questionable territory. territory. Let's put it this way my interaction with rabbis is usually when rabbis come to me <laughs> to ask yeah, them well, to advocate on behalf of the community. And those are rabbis that I have relationships with. So Said to there, some extent, I, I'm already kind of- You have there. that open line of communication when you need it, but- So the interesting thing about our work is that we don't ask any of the leading rabbis to put their stamp on our work because we discuss, not only do we get into 
political battles. Calling someone an anti-Semite isn't something, you know, the great rabbis necessarily want their names on. They get too much flack from the others. Who knows? Meanwhile, every one of us who are also, on- what, The expectation, of, the traditional expectation of Jewish life is yes. not premised as, as as modern liberalism is on a pretense that people will not recognize the differences among different groups in the world and have preferences about the extent to which they want to deal with, be friends with, can be in in, uh, you know, in, in communal relationships with that group. I mean, that, we're 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 fine with that. I mean, one of the one of the are, progressives are not into real diversity. True. Ideological diversity, this appreciation for different groups. I just wanted to make the point that we, as a board of, there's a board of rabbis on, you know, Coalition for Jewish Values. Our rabbinic board is on the website. And you can see I'm listed last. My job is to listen to the guidance. All, all of those other rabbis, you know, uh, are, 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 are senior. And they all, every one of us has our own guidance that we go to when we have those cases. Obviously, it's more frequent than in your line of work, but by and large, when we, since we operate by consensus, when we're all on the same page, we know that we represent how Torah Jews are thinking overall. Our job is not to get into the edge cases. Our job is to articulate the basic principles upon which things are based. We're not going to tell you the debate about abortion in the edge case where the baby is going to be very sick or not survive long or et cetera, et cetera. We're going to talk about the basic principle that somebody else's life is never my choice. That somebody else's life is never your choice. Okay, I mean, and that I, includes the unborn life. And that no, life does not start when the baby takes its first breath. The left likes to claim that that's the Jewish belief. I don't know where they get that from. There's an explicit Mishnah that says- I already put the New York Times on the screen. I think that's the answer, right? Yeah, okay. That's like, there's an explicit Mishnah that says her life comes before his life in a case of conflict. That you have to save the mother before the unborn baby. However, once the baby is born, then you no longer can show preference for one over the other because one is not dependent on the other anymore. That's what it says. It does not say that life begins at birth. Not at all. And this kind of craziness becomes the leftist talking point and is used to contradict all the Christians who are articulating the actual biblical value, which is the unborn life has value. Okay, but wait a minute. Everyone tells me, you know, almost every time I post on a Jewish issue, uh, I get back at least some comments that say, well, well, why do Jews keep voting for Democrats? Well, Rabbi Menken, why do Jews keep voting for Democrats? Well, why is it that 80% of Jews are progressive, while 95% of rabbis are deeply traditional? The Orthodox well, community actually produces rabbis. There are more rabbis I coming out of myself. Lakewood, New Jersey alone is producing more rabbis in a week than all the other movements are producing in a in a in a year. And that's only Lakewood. That's only Lakewood. Now they may go into practice as lawyers, ahem, or doctors or accountants or what have you. In fact, there was one year. Where speaking of of the Torah giving you wisdom in all days, uh, areas of life, in 2016, the National Organization of CPAs did a listing of who which school was producing the highest first time pass rate on the CPA exam in each state, and Lakewood, New Jersey, right there, that that crowd, Lakewood, New Jersey, produced the highest first time pass rate. In the entire state of New Jersey. Well, but they have and Lakewood doesn't give courses in how to be a CPA. They don't wait a minute. They don't take college courses in, in these topics. They go to night school. They go to night school, but and after night school, they pass more readily than the people who go to full day. Because okay, these guys so. learn how to think and how to learn and what study good study habits are. And how to intellectually analyze a Let's topic. Let's talk about those good studies. I'm habits. sure you What's see it? that in law, by the well, way. 
and well, I'm sure I, I'm, I'm sure your time in yeshiva compares favorably to your time in Princeton in well, study in term, habits. Well, you, you don't want to you you don't ever want to use me as the example for anything involving the word study <laughs> habits. That's Mrs. <laughs> Coleman's specialty. But I will say, based on what I you know on on the way I see my my children, there I what what's a typical full day of yeshiva study? It's like there are no basketball teams. There may be basketball at recess, pickup so, but, games. Oh, but, but they get up, but they get up, they 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 pray at what usually around 7 30. Okay. Right? Breakfast. But the schedule, yeah. Pray at 7 minutes, 30, go to breakfast. 9 30, they're in the study hall, like the picture we showed there. Right. By the way, this picture that that I threw up on the screen. Is, is is what's called a base medrash, a study hall. Uh, right. That's that's the typical modality of study in a, in a, in a yeshiva. Uh, is that a picture of the Lakewood yeshiva? Yeah, apparently it is. I think the yeah, it says there at the bottom. It is, but in fact, that's really a picture of one of. Do you have any idea how many batei medrashim there are in Lakewood? I know the be... mir now in in Jerusalem now has five. I think Lakewood has five or even more. They have, I, I, it might be double digits actually, but there, I mean, there are thousands of people. Okay. When so, I went there, there were 800 students. Today, there amazing, are 8,000 right? unmarried younger guys, much less the married students who are staying for years. So 9.30, and then they go till usually 1.30 or so. 1.15, said that Depen area. Right, depending on the yeshiva. Then, then uh, you know. Uh, Afternoon services and lunch get in there. A little right, break. Before or after. By 3 so or 3.15, they're back until 7. Until 7. And then they're and done for the day, right? Not even. <laughs> you're, I, I know you're asking these leading softballs, but after dinner, there's another two-hour Seder. Seder lear right. learning session. And, learning and session. the young guys I, really I, The way I put it, you want to talk about the left-wing movements. Uh, the ones that claim, you know, they're producing rabbis. I got into a uh, discussion, shall we say, with the head of the Trua, the so-called Rabbis for Human Rights, the anti-Semitic Jewish organization, though they just claim to be anti-Israel. Actually, they claim to be pro-Israel, but their, their version of being pro is to have all the Jews leave. Anyway, the this organization, the head of the woman says, we learn the traditional text too. And I actually, I so I go do some research. Jewish Theological Seminary has a course in Intermediate Talmud. All right, hold on. What, Jewish Theological Seminary that of the conservative a, movement, which is the most right wing of the left wing movements, and they have Intermediate Talmud for a total of two and a half hours. Is it, no, I'm sorry. It's an, at two and a half hours twice a week. So it's five hours a week. Uh, half of which is learning with your partner and half of which is class. An hour and a quarter on Monday, an hour and a quarter on Wednesday of each, total five hours, great. And that's during the semester when there is a Talmud course. Because if you have basic Talmud and intermediate Talmud and advanced Talmud, hey, you're done. Meanwhile, in those weeks when they're actually having Talmud class, my 12th, 12th grade son was learning more Talmud in a day than they learn in a week. And they're claiming to be educated rabbis. Like, okay, so, how does that even work? So here we are. These guys are studying. They're 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 rabbinating like rabbinating. crazy. Um, yes. Lakewood is producing rabbis who, and and the thing is, yes, the community does not necessarily know every crazy idea, but is is being uh, touted on the outside. But if they did know, they'd be very upset about where things are today. I think the Orthodox community needs to know more than they're learning because of about the, what the outside world is doing to threaten their interests. But that's the, interesting. Because, well, look, our organization is quoted more often in Fox News than it is in the Orthodox papers serving the Orthodox community because on so many of these issues, they don't want to talk about same-sex marriage. They just don't do it. So we don't have a problem. They don't have a problem of boys growing up to be girls and girls growing up to think they're boys. They don't have the problems of doctors being told, you know, what the, and therefore they don't realize that there's an actual regulation being proposed right now by the Biden administration 
that would tell a doctor that if you're not willing to do a hysterectomy on a woman who thinks she's a man, you're not allowed to do them at all or you'll be accused of discrimination. They're literally going to force doctors to abandon decades long successful careers because they want to continue to observe the Torah. And the Orthodox community doesn't know this because well, it's not getting just, in to the media but, like that because they don't a, want to talk about such an unhealthy issue. So here, a question I get all the time is, why does it? Why would this even matter to the Orthodox community? I mean, after all, after all, uh, as you said, the Orthodox community doesn't have this. How how many Orthodox doctors are there? Every Orthodox OBGYN, you've just covered them right there. Every Orthodox endocrinologist. If you don't prescribe the right array of medicines to turn a boy into a wannabe girl who can never procreate, he's never going to actually be a girl, his chromosomes are never going to change, but we're going to keep pumping the wrong hormones into him. If you refuse to do that because you think it's unhealthy, you think it's wrong, you don't think that's the right way to deal with gender dysphoria, the totalitarians are going to come after you. And well, that's what I'm we're not, looking at. I mean, well, my I had a daughter get married this last February. According to the Equality Act, it was practically a bias crime. We separated people by gender, by biological gender at that, in a public accommodation, in a hotel ballroom. <laughs> so therefore, according, you read the details of the there's some weasel language to get out. And since we sponsored it and it was private and it was a religious event, so we're going to get away with it for now. But basically, at its root, it was immoral. It was bigoted. We're only going to allow the religious to do it for now. That's the quote-unquote equality act for you. So this is the kind of thing where where your organization, I say your organization, again, you've made it clear, this is not a front for Yaakov Menken. This is not Yaakov Menken, Inc. There are a lot of Jewish organizations which are identified with that one guy. And I work very hard to point out that it's not me. Because our whole job is, again, if I'm representing the way that 5,000 rabbis who know much more than I do are thinking, it's because we all got it from the same place. And so my job is to look over my shoulder and think, there's five other rabbis on my block who all know more than I do. If they say I'm saying the right thing, then I'm probably saying the right thing. That's how I know. My guidance is not to articulate. I, I, I'm not a, a leader. I don't think that I'm. my job is to say what I think and tell you to think my way. I think my job is simply to try to articulate what the vast majority of rabbis are thinking. And are you succeeding? Are you, are you, is, is the CJV getting, getting into the papers? Is it, are you getting, is, is it working in terms of having some effect on the public debate of we're getting how... more and more coverage as it grows fox business came to me a few weeks ago i was in the washington post before that um and and it's interesting what you never know what comment you're going to make that get that gets the press really interested but at the same time conservative media um like newsmax the catholic ewtn uh, Real America Voice, these places are very interested in knowing that there's actually a Jewish voice that's in favor of Jewish values. And so gradually it grows. It's happening. And we're getting certainly more entree. Um, we're, there's a, a, a meeting that's going to be with some very high-ranking uh, senators, potentially, uh, after the election. There's a buildup amongst, amongst some conservative groups. And they are very anxious to have a Jewish group alongside them. Anyway, there was a, there was a meeting of of these like the, these types of leaders who gather to talk about religious liberty, and they're going around the table. And Christian Legal Society, Associated Christian Schools International, American Association of Christian Schools, um, the Ethics and Liberty Commission, the Southern Baptist Commission, the LDS, they they got the Latter Day Saints. They get to me, and I just said Yaakov Menken, token Jew. The place died laughing because <laughs> like everybody else, you know, there, but they, they, because, you know, we are not a token. This is our beliefs too. 
And it's very important that the message get out there that these are not simply sectarian positions. It's not a bunch of Christians trying to shove their religion down America's throat. The founding fathers looked at our Bible. Where did they get the idea that every human life is sacred, that peace is superior to warfare, there should be universal justice from which not even the leader is exempt, that there should be universal education, there should be a limitation on the leader's powers, there should be social responsibility, there should be families. All of these things come out of Torah. They're not new ideas. But so why is it that so many Jews are so distant American Jews, uh, even Israeli Jews, why are they so distant from this traditional way of thinking? Well, they chose to distance from Torah. Uh, the reform movement, which is the granddaddy of all the leftist movements, started in Germany in 1845. Uh, that's where one of its leaders declared Berlin is our Jerusalem. How did that work out? Um, but they also declared there that the Talmud has no relevance for them. It has no authority for them. And they look forward to unlimited development in the religion of Moses, which is to say progressivism, unlimited development. The new is that, idea is, is inherently like a, a living, consti living constitution for the Jews. Something like that. Yeah. The idea that you have to reinterpret what you're reading instead of interpreting it as a meaning what it says that came out of. Now, obviously, look, we have an oral law. The written law to us is not the last word, but God's word is the last word. We understand the oral law came from God to Moses and details all sorts of things that the written Torah does not say. But anyway, that's the point. We're accepting authority that is not ours to modify. With reform, it was just the opposite. The new idea is the better one, and that's how you make Obama your supreme religious authority. And that's how it was. And that's how uh, a person like Jonathan Greenblatt, who had a whole long association with progressive uh, causes and social justice types of entrepreneurship, and he was very successful at that, and he became an Obama administration official. And now they put him in charge of America's largest organization fighting anti-Semitism when he has no background in fighting anti-Semitism. There, look, look at his uh, bio on, on the page you're showing on screen. You know, ADL has modernized its operations. That's great. That's wonderful. But um, if you scroll down further, uh, numerous corporate and nonprofit boards, nonprofit leader, influential leader, White House special assistant to Obama. He founded Ethos Water, He was, uh, which is now part of Starbucks. That's fantastic. And, and he found it all for good. Where's the anti-Semitism background? Well, but he Literally strong... nowhere. Where's the Jewish education? Uh, right, Literally nowhere. What's it, does, does the at least have, have a background in, you know, in Jewish thought, Jewish scholarship, Jewish communal involvement? ADL, it's amazing. There's nothing there. He was never part of a Jewish community center, a Jewish board, the board of his synagogue. No evidence they even went to Hebrew school. And, and by the way, I'm not claiming that any of these things is remotely adequate. What I'm saying is, even by the standards that the left is applying, how do you take a guy who has absolutely no background? and put him in charge of not just the fundraising, but actually setting policy for an organization fighting anti-Semitism, when all you know about him is that he's very partisan, intimately associated with one political party, a high-ranking White House official in one political party, and now you expect him to identify anti-Semitism, which is in a very dangerous state, and rising on both sides of the aisle, and specifically problematic on the very side that he refuses to face. Well, I mean, I'm looking now at the ADL. They're, they're very big on disrupting online hate and harassment. Isn't that really an important? Isn't white supremacy, white supremacism, the biggest, the biggest danger to Jews, Jewish life in America right now? You're you keep throwing these softballs, Ron. <laughs> I'm pretending that no one, that everyone watching this has. 
utterly unfamiliar with me. <laughs> okay. So the, the way that this works, I mean, again, it's obvious. What Ron says is correct for those who do know. You know, it's like that actually anti-Semitism that everybody can recognize and everybody sees as anti-Semitism and is just hateful and wrong is the kind that is not dangerous because those people who wish to have any sort of moral compass would never gravitate to such nonsense. It's the people who make it palatable. The fact is that anti-Semitism is a German euphemism for Jew hatred. Because post the Enlightenment, in the Enlightenment era, when Catholics and Protestants decided they had to get along, they said religious hatred is no longer valid, which means we can't hate the Jews anymore either. All through European history, the Jews killed our God. That's why we hate them. Never mind that that was 1,500 years ago. We're still going to blame the Jews and we're going to burn the Jews at the stake because of something that happened 1,500 years ago because it's all the Jews' fault. By the way, it was the Romans who killed him. But anyway, you go to the modern era, you have to have this hatred for the Jew because not because of their uh, belief, but because of their ethnicity. That's why Hitler, for the first time in history, said anybody with a Jewish grandparent is also to be killed. So that was that was new. That was new in Germany. Now you can't hate people due to religion or ethnicity. So why did they claim to hate them because of Israel? But if you actually go look at the tropes and the Jew is stealing and the Jew is being unfair to everybody else, that, according to the dean of all the European yeshivos right before the 20th century began, I'm 1895, you have the leading rabbi of all the yeshivas saying, if you want to recognize anti-Semitism, very simple. All Jewish property is stolen and the Jews being unfair to everybody else. Remember AOC's first interview on NPR after she won her stunning primary victory and was going to be a congresswoman? She said, I only know two things about the entire Middle East, increasing occupation of Palestine, Jews taking land in Israel away from the Arabs, and not letting Palestinians access their homes. Now, both of these are entirely false, and both of these are the traditional tropes of anti-Semitism. That's what dangerous anti-Semitism looks like. But, she doesn't have the mental capacity to be a core anti-Semite. She's not Hitler, but all she can do is articulate what the justice Democrats tell her to think. We get it from these books. She gets it from the justice Democrats. We're both parrots. <laughs> So, I mean, this is a white supremacist. These Are these the white supremacists that are attacking Jews? Yeah, that's, that's exactly. I mean, you look around the streets of New York. And again, this is why all the rabbis are thinking exactly the opposite. The attackers in Jer Jersey City, the hatred of Farrakhan is what led here. And Farrakhan, by the way, he, you know, b both defended uh, Ilan Omar on the left and defended Kanye on the right. He's not about the left or right. He's about hating Jews. And to both, you know, both he whitewashes both Ilan Omar and Kanye. Kanye, by the way, one thing that Kanye has brought to us, it's finally okay to say that a black man is an anti-Semite without being accused of racism. Because whenever you pointed out that Ilan Omar was spreading anti-Semitic tropes, in fact, she paraphrases Mein Kampf, not only is she, you know, and, and blatant Jew hatred, every time you said that, oh, it's because she's a Muslim refugee woman and she's black. Is that why David Duke endorsed her? Because she's a black Muslim refugee woman? I'm not exactly sure that that's what David Duke has claimed to like throughout his career. No, it's about hating Jews. That's why it is her, specifically her hatred of Jews let that ask, he endorsed. Let me ask you something. How is it that I see on the internet all the time, and I know that we're running out of time, Jewish people routinely being accused of being anti-Semites. How can you be an anti-Semite? And I see this accusation from the right pointing to the left and from the left pointing to the right. Can you be a Jew and be an anti-Semite? Well, half of us are wrong. Let's go back to what we said at the beginning when we talked about Rabbi Akiva. And how Rabbi Akiva would bite the uh, bones of a and crush the bones of a rabbi if he had the opportunity because he hated Jewish scholarship so much. 
Jews who do not favor scholars, the whole movement to uh, intervene with yeshiva education, tell parents how to educate their children if they're Orthodox. If they go, oh, those Orthodox don't learn. We don't think that they get a real education. We don't value their education. Never mind. This is the community producing the least criminals and the most stable families in all in, in all of New York. It's you're not going to find a a community that is actually more healthy. And this is the one where they want to intervene and tell, and that's all being led by leftist Jews. That's it was a pair of Jews at the New York Times who did this hit piece on the yeshivos as if they were flush with cash. By the way, the Jews are stealing. There it all is again. The anti-Semitic tropes were all there. I wrote about it in Newsweek. You can find it for your leader, uh, readers that uh, Newsweek, um, the gray ladies, yellow journalism. Yeah, there's the article, the New York Times. Now look for Newsweek, the gray ladies, yellow journalism, and you get my piece on this particular you know, on exactly how anti-Semitic this piece was. And it came from Jews. Meanwhile, yes, the left will accuse me of being a supporter of, of Hitler or something ridiculous, literally, because we support congressmen who actually support our values. There's the actual, there we go. There, there it is, the, yeah, that's the original. All right, so we'll let, let me ask you- on our website. Parting, parting here. You can yep. see what I've been what, what I've been searching for lately. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, any last thought? Anything? If you assuming that our Torah studying brethren and their families are able to find some time in a time or place where they can take a break from their scholarship, and they're listening to this, or maybe even watching this through a tiny little pinhole. Uh, like like a solar eclipse. What would you want them to know about about your about the the coalition for Jewish values that you, we haven't already touched on? Jews and non-Jews, Orthodox and not, if they value biblical values, need to get honestly. We're one of the most critical voices in the conservative community right now. A political strategist who is Jewish recognizes after the 2012 election where Obama was doing all kinds of things that were detrimental to the Jewish community, and J Street was running as blocking back. He said, we need an organization of 100 rabbis. Now we have an organization of 2,000 rabbis that's unafraid to call out anti-Semitism on both sides of the aisle while promoting actual, genuine, biblical values. For the Christian community, this is absolutely necessary to be non-sectarian, but most of all for the Orthodox Jewish community. The, the more rabbis who sign up, the more who are dedicated and realize, oh my gosh, we've needed this organization. We've needed this voice. Because again, it's, it's not about me. It's about the movement. We need local chapters fighting this fight because so much that's going on at the local level, these are not the people who are watching national TV. They're people in their local communities being influenced by left-wing protesters marching down the street claiming that Israel is the ethnic cleanser rather than the refuge for the ethnic cleansees. These are the guys walking down the street who claim that women, who by the way are much more pro-life than men, women are the one objecting to not being told that, that abortion is actually not a Jewish value. All of this stuff, there is a absolute need because the left is really dedicated to taking our rights away in totalitarian fashion telling people what they, you, you're not allowed to say, I decline to do something. I decline to bake a cake on back. I decline to perform that wedding. I decline to play it the way. I decline to give a person hysterectomy. Right. And for I all those things to teach my children, to be told you're discriminatory. I decline to teach my children about alternative lifestyles, as they call right. them. Right. I, I decline up. to teach my child that he probably is part girl or she is probably part boy. And the only question is how much and which puberty blockers we should give them to ensure that they never have kids throughout their life. Would you agree that the last- This is child abuse, by the way. Oh, and allowing men into women's spaces? Are you serious? Like this is just, anyway. I mean, I've, I mean I, it's always, my observation has always been that the activism of the left 
the 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 ideology of the left allows of no principled stopping point for any of the things they advocate for. So that's now we're we're now at the point where family friendly drag show. What do you mean? That that's a complete non. That's a complete. I'm just going to point out that whether it's financial or activist, we need the public's help to grow the organization and to grow the voice so that everybody should be heard, that there should be other people. It's definitely not intended by any stretch of imagination to be a Yaakov Menken show. But right now, the interviews are largely with me because at the national level, that's true. We want to elevate local groups, local chapters, local rabbis who can work with because we need that kind of, so everybody should go into cjvalues.org and signing up and sending us email and saying, I want to be part of this organization. What can I do to help? In other words, at the end of the day, CJ Values, Coalition of Jewish Values, is about fundraising, just like all the Jewish organizations. Yeah, that's totally it. It's just about the money. <laughs> Hey, look, man, I, I I need a yacht, okay? Like this is building, what I'm doing are you it for. Building your your skyscraper in 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 Alabama. You know, it's you know, it's really interesting. For all that control of the banks, why is it we have so much problems with money? Well, it it's like you I know, it's we'll like the re it. reality is a problem here. We'll have uh, to do another episode, I guess, uh, to answer that question. Yacht yeah, but in this case, I mean, yeah. obviously, I need more staff than I currently can afford because there's so much going on. And so many inquiries from around the country to get us involved in issues where we really, really need is so many inquiries from around the country to say, I need to help you address the issues. And here's what I, I can write. I can edit. I can participate. And yeah, I can donate. It's all there. Like any organization. The ADL is not fighting anti-Semitism. Somebody's got to do it. Yaakov Megan, thank you very much. Have a good Shabbos. Thanks for appearing. I'm good job is to, to you. Answer. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I, I'm looking forward for that fantastic Orthodox audience of yours and fantastic non-Orthodox audience of yours and non-Jewish audience of yours to reach out to us because there's so much we need to do and we can only do it together. Thanks a lot. Thank you. So long. Hey, thank you for listening to the Coleman Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. If you like the show, please rate it five stars and leave a review. For more information, please visit the show's website at coleman-nation.com. That's coleman-nation.com. Or you can visit my blog at likelihoodofconfusion.com. Join us next time on the Coleman Nation podcast and have a great day.